Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. Today, we are discussing extraterrestrial biological entities or the Ebens. Who are the Ebens? Please note that I received most of my information from the Gaia TV programs Deep Space and Cosmic Disclosure, which I highly recommend. If you have the Gaia app, you can watch Deep Space Season 4, Episode 3, The Ebens, and Cosmic Disclosure, Season 12, Episode 14, Eben Pilots of Roswell. The Ebens are whatever you want to call them, ETs, aliens, UFOs, or otherworldly beings. The word Eben is spelled E-B-E-N-S, and it is the acronym for Extraterrestrial Biological Entities, which are believed to be a subset of the Greys, which I will be discussing next week. The Greys are those common ETs that you see in movies and on TV. They have the grayish bodies with the huge heads, the huge black eyes, and the long skinny limbs. So the Ebens are an offshoot of the Greys, and they come from the same constellation system, the Zeta Reticuli. And according to tactical advisor Tim, who is a famous Gaia fixture, he says that the Ebens and the Greys are like family who don't get along because the Greys value hierarchy. So they believe that the Ebens are less in their hierarchy. But the Ebens, they don't believe this. So there was a longstanding war between the Ebens and the Greys, but they had a ceasefire and now they tolerate each other. It's like Uncle Bob coming over for Christmas dinner. You don't like him, but you put up with his shit once a year. (laughs) They are at peace for the greater good of evolving Earth. They have a huge interest in Earth. So the way you have to look at it is even aliens have their own drama and their own version of the Kardashians. There you go. The Ebens are humanoid looking. They stand somewhere between four and a half feet to five and a half feet tall. They have a large pear-shaped head and huge black almond eyes. And their skin color can be grayish, but it's more of a brown or a dullish, or a dullish, I just made that word up, or a dull brownish gray. They come from the reticulum constellation or the Zeta Reticuli star system, which is around 39 light years away from Earth. So it's it's not a day trip, <laughs> it takes a while. Quickly, I just want to point out the differences between the Ebens and the Greys before we move on to just the Ebens. The Greys have a gray skin color and are smaller. They stand around three feet tall, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. According to Tactical Advisor Tim, I believe he said in an episode I watched a while ago that, of course, now I can't find, that the Ebens are the ones who do the alien abductions of humans. However, It is a certain subset of Ebens who have all the emotion taken out of them. So it's like Dr. Spock times 100. And unfortunately, humans have encountered this subset of Ebens. And that's why, you know, the scary movies and the scary TV and obviously people have been traumatized by them. So we just have to make sure we're (laughs) they're not in our vicinity. There you go. If you watch the movie 
Fire in the Sky, which I highly recommend. The protagonist looks like he's been abducted by Ebens. They have small brownish bodies. So this matches tactical advisor Tim's theory. Fire in the Sky came out in 1993. It was starring D.B. Sweeney. This is a true story and it's incredibly accurate and it's an incredibly descriptive account of an alien abduction. So I just wanted to read you the description of the movie on imdb.com. So let me find that. On the evening of November 5th, 1975, a group of loggers saw a bright crimson light in a forest in White Mountains, Arizona. Curious, Travis Walton goes out for a closer look and is pushed to the ground by a blue-green energy beam. His coworkers escape in terror and they inform the police that Travis has been abducted by a flying saucer. For the next five days, Travis remains missing and the loggers endure ridicule and contempt as they are accused of Travis's murder. When Travis is found alive, he is unable to account the missing days, but amazingly, the ordeal slowly begins to emerge and they really go into what happens and Travis's account. And it's so vivid and so well done with special effects of his alien abduction and exactly what happens from moment to moment. So if you're into that, definitely watch Fire in the Sky. Oh, and one more thing I want to say about Fire in the Sky is Travis Walton and his colleagues have been polygraphed and questioned over and over. They have passed every test with flying colors. To this day, almost 50 years after the abduction, the men's stories have never changed or differed, and they all stand by the account of the abduction. In 1947, there were two alien spacecraft crashes near Roswell, New Mexico. Of course, we all know about Roswell. In the one crash, there were four dead Ebens and one Eben who was alive. He was identified as a male and scientists named him Eba One. So it's spelled E-B-E, but it is pronounced Eba, like it has an A at the end. He was transported to Area 51 and then to Los Alamos National Library near Santa Fe, New Mexico. Why? Because it's a secure facility and they have the space and privacy to hide EBA-1. You can't just have, well, technically you could just have an alien walking around Santa Fe, but (laughs) I don't know how the people would handle it. I might be okay. You might be okay, but other people may not be okay. EBA-1 lived in Los Alamos from 1947 until his death In 1952, scientists, language specialists, military personnel, and researchers observed and interacted with Eba-1 during this five-year period, but they absolutely did not harm him, according to sources, and he was well aware of this. He knew that these humans were not going to harm him. In fact, an Air Force captain ended up living in quarters next to Eba-1, so he was not alone. I just want to say quickly that I think... Eba one was okay with being quote unquote, I don't want to say captured, I guess that's the best word for it. But he went to live in Los Alamos and interacted with all these scientists and military people. Because I think this was a mission for them. Uh, It's very sad that the other Ebens passed away during the mission, but I think they knew that this was a mission to help the humans. And I don't think it was a coincidence that they went into that area, right? They flew into that area. So I think that Eba One was just here to 
really help evolve the earth. And you'll see by the story, he really did. In 1954, two years after Eba One died, the U.S. government at either their Kirkland Air Force Base or Area 51 printed a manual called Psalm 101 Training Manual, where the word Eben first appears in print. Okay, to be nitpicky and so you are aware, according to Linda Moulton Howe, a UFO expert and investigative journalist, she says that the U.S. government classifies these aliens as Ebens and that there are two types of Ebens and one is the Greys, but it just depends how you look at it because a lot of people say opposite, like tactical advisor Tim will say, no, they're all the Greys and then the subset of the Greys is an Eben. And then on top of that, you get a lot of information about otherworldly beings from channeling and Obviously, the Ebens don't like being on the bottom and the Greys don't like being on the bottom. So I think it depends who you ask who's a subset of who. But they're just all, I look at it as they're all family kind of lumped in together. And there's just two types of them, Ebens and Greys. Back to 1947 and Eba 1. So Eba 1 is back at Los Alamos Lab. They bring in all sorts of experts to communicate with him, including language specialists. At first, they started with hand gestures. This is exactly how the ETs communicate in the movies Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Arrival. According to Richard C. Doty, who worked at Kirkland Air Force Base in Area 51, Eba One's language was one of screeching sounds. That sounds pleasant to listen to all day long. <laughs> Eba One gestured, and then in 1950, scientists implanted a device into Eba One's throat so he could speak. After implanting this device, he learned English in a matter of months because his brain was so highly developed and he had been hearing English for years at that point. He showed the scientists the even written language. It had characters similar to Chinese. What they talked about was when Eba spoke. It wasn't this perfect English. Eba One was communicating by spoken words and sounds and all of that, but he wasn't full on having a conversation about politics and religion. <laughs> it wasn't anything like that. Physically, Eba One was four and a half feet tall. He had the typical large black eyes and head. He had one organ for the heart and lungs. I find that so fascinating. Eba One ate pellets of unknown ingredients that would only melt in his mouth. And if you really look at the mouth of Greys and Ebens, they have a really tiny mouth because they don't need to eat. A lot of these species don't need to eat. And if they do, it's exactly what's said here. All they need to do is put something in and it melts. There's no teeth. There's no chewing. Military personnel retrieved the pellets from the spacecrafts. But when they ran out of pellets, Ebel One survived on certain fruits and vegetables in our water glad to hear it. They weren't giving him Cheetos or anything like that. He did not sleep. He only rested. Also, Eba One had four fingers on each hand and needed less oxygen than a human. With Eba One's help, scientists discovered that he was able to communicate with his home constellation and Ebens nearby Earth via a communication device that signaled to other Ebens. This device was recovered from one of the damaged spacecrafts, and it was intact. So scientists were able to use this device to signal Ebens, which is so cool. 
This device is one of Ibo One's vital legacies. He passed away from reasons still unknown in 1952. So they were saying that Eben's and greys actually live a much longer time than humans. And to this day, they still don't know why he died, according to one of the experts. Because of the discovery of this communication device, scientists contacted Ebens and arranged for a human Eben exchange program. It was called Project Serpo. The U.S. government arranged for three to 12 human participants to either visit and return or live on the planet Serpo, an even planet. And what you find out in this show is that the participants who went to live on uh, Serpo, they lived there for, I think it was 12 or 14 years, so for a while. They were meant to live there for, I believe, 10, and just time ran so differently there that it became extended. The planet Serpo is 39 light years away, and the participants, the human participants, were special, highly trained military personnel. Through even contact, scientists discovered the technology of folding the fabric of time. So let's say you have a piece of paper, and the Earth is at one end, and the planet Serpo is at the other. You fold the paper over to bend and elapse time. And so they meet. You see what I mean? And you travel 39 light years away in warp speed. Because of this folding of time, the human participants traveled nine months from Earth to Serpo, which is absolutely nothing compared to 39 light years away, which would, they would just be flying and flying for millions of years, right? If not. Now, here's what I think about that, is what you hear a lot about in discussions about spacecraft technology and on Gaia is the idea of conscious assisted technology. So what happens is the pilot sits in the craft and they use their mind to move the craft. And when you really look into all of the conscious ability of otherworldly beings like Greys and Ebens and Arcturians and all of those people, I was going to say people, all of those beings they travel consciously. So they don't need a spacecraft. They don't need a car. They don't need anything like that. Their minds do all the traveling for them. And I personally think that that's what the Ebens and the Greys, or we're talking about the Ebens here, but the Ebens used, they may have had the actual spacecraft because as humans, that's what we recognize. They may have had the actual craft and that craft was through conscious assisted technology. And also the craft, you know, to be fair, had its own world within it, its own planet, its own biosphere. Sometimes you have it, it very much like what you see on Close Encounters of the Third Kinds. So they had their own system so they could breathe and they could eat the way they wanted and they could live life the way they wanted if they were taking this time to travel. And also some of these species, that's all they do is they're travelers. They don't have a quote unquote, home. So saying all this, I really believe that most of these ETs use conscious assisted technology. But I think that Ebo One and the Ebens on planet Serpo had to break things down for the scientists, for the human scientists. Because otherwise, if you're just saying that it's conscious assisted technology, they're going to say whatever, because scientists are 
lot of times very black and white. So you have to guide them somehow. So I think this is the first step to guiding them and saying, okay, we fold time. We, we fold time and space. But in reality, I don't think they're actually really folding time and space. And by the way, when you go on the program and you watch about it, it's very technical. It's very intricate. I can't explain it here. But that's what the scientists need where someone like you and me, all you have to say to us is it's conscious assisted technology and we believe it. And we say, okay, that's much easier and that makes much more sense. In this exchange program, we received an Eben named Eba2, who is a female. Her code name is J-Rod, which is kind of funny. According to Richard C. Doty, Eba2 is still alive and assists the U.S. government at Area 51 and Papoose Lake in Nevada. Because of her, the secret part of the Air Force can reverse engineer alien crafts, perhaps including the ones from the Roswell crashes, and we can fly into the solar system. We now have a separate military program called the U.S. Space Force. So Google it because it's out there. It's known. It's very cool. And what's believed is that these pilots can fly the alien crafts and are flying the alien crafts. Scientists have learned through autopsies that Ebens have natural night vision. In other words, the lenses of their eyes allow for night vision, and that's why the military has night vision, or night vision technology, I should say. Through EBA-1 in the exchange program, scientists have learned about fiber optic cable technology and sophisticated lasers. This is why we have all these great technologies today. From the exchange program, scientists have also learned that the Ebens are telepathic, no surprise there, and rub an algae-like substance on their bodies to eat. For those of you who listen to my ulcerative colitis podcast, I have talked about several episodes ago how I believe that one of the reasons we don't do well with human food is because we just were half alien and we're not used to it. And I found it so fascinating about the algae because I was like, hmm. And I had read before something about algae that that's what extraterrestrials, if they do eat or if they do absorb nutrients in some way, they do it through algae. So I uh, wasn't surprised about that. And then with Ebo One, how he was consisting on the fruit and the vegetables and our water. I mean, when you think about our diet, we do add meat to that, but that's pretty much all we eat (laughs) with people with UC, right? So I just found it fascinating. To me, the best photographic example of an Eben was dropped on the internet in 2011, a video of an Eben from the KGB days of Russia, or I should say the Soviet Union, caused a frenzy. Nicknamed Skinny Bob, you can see him, you can see this Eben walking and moving with other Ebens. The information that he allegedly offers aligns with Project Serpo, that his home is around 40 light years away. The planet Serpo is said to be 39 light years away. So just search online for Skinny Bob video. Metaphysically, that helps us to know that many times in movies and TV, ETs are portrayed as evil when they're not. They are actually here to evolve Earth. 
If you feel connected to them, there's a reason they're calling to you and you are calling to them. If you have a strong pull to them, either lately or you have in the past, or maybe you have now, you are here to assist in Earth's evolution and that can't be ignored. A really good example, well, a few good examples are Steven Spielberg, who created both Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. Somehow he's guided to create such a world-renowned, world-shattering art form that you know his purpose on Earth is to bring humans closer to the idea of that we are not alone in the universe and that most ETs are here for peaceful and benevolent reasons. At least that's I see it as that's one of his purposes. I could say the same about George Lucas, creator of Star Wars, or Jim Henson, the creator of The Dark Crystal. So what is your connection with otherworldly beings? Are they asking you to create or discuss or evolve anything for Earth? Because I think for me, what I've realized in these past several years is that I am here to be a storyteller. And one of the things that hopefully will come across is that we are not alone in this universe, you know, that we're not alone. We have to evolve humanity. We have to help each other. All of that, I feel that I'm one of the helpers and so are you to do that and that we have to get our voices out there because a lot of the times with metaphysical people, with people who I would say are metaphysical and the real deal, not I want to make money and I want to be famous and I want to do all that. And all that's fine too. That's a good thing. Uh, It's good to have money. It's fine if you handle fame well, but more the idea of I just want to help. I think that that is why we were put on this earth and that we have to keep moving toward that because a lot of us are very used to being in the background and we're used to being shyer and we're used to being the ones who don't speak up. And I'm starting to notice that those of you who I know very well, you are now moving more into the forefront and you should be because that's evolvement, that's evolution, right? That's evolution of our earth, that's evolution of our species. And this was supposed to happen now. This is supposed to be a worldwide event of humans like us that are going to just take it to the next level, take it onto 4D, take it onto 5D. So I digress. The next episode drops on Tuesday, June 20th, where we will be discussing the Eben Frenemy, <laughs> the Greys. Until next time, live your life two inches off the ground.